0: It's been a good journey through uh, this series, uh, Delight. We delight in the Lord. He will give us the desires of our hearts. Yet there's a peace that keeps us from having delight or unspeakable joy. I said when we began this series that we'd be hard-pressed to find a more delightful concept in Scripture than delight. Delight's more than joy. It's It's a joy with a shot of espresso. It's peace with a side of playfulness. It's steadfast trust. With a twinkle in the eye, it's acceptance of adversity that knows a surprise party is coming. It's Maranatha. The Lord is coming. Yet there's a peace in our lives that keeps this joy from surfacing. And it's confession of sin. And I would say it this way, that confession of sin increases our delight for God. Yet way too often, all of us, including myself, if we haven't confessed our sin, if we harbor bitterness, if we carry sin, it spiritually separates us from God. And then we wonder why we don't have joy. And then we wonder why someone else can look at something and feel differently. The reality is this. When we confess, we receive forgiveness. And when you see forgiveness received or given or you experience it, it's a game changer for your life. Let me show you what I mean. Watch this.
1: How would you like to be known for the rest of your life by the worst thing you ever did and have that be the only thing people ever knew about you? My sister started babysitting for this family. They used both of us combined there probably 40, 50 hours a week. The dad was um, a doctor, the mom was a nurse. They had a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful huge Victorian house, everything money could buy. They had nice cars, they, you know, he bought her nice jewelry and they just seemed to have everything. And I was like, this is living. They had three beautiful kids. They were my family away from home. And um, everything, I don't, I don't even know what happened. I'll never forget the day that I was supposed to babysit that night. Nicholas was almost eight, Emily was six, and Thomas was almost four. This particular night, um, I just, it was a Thursday night, and I was at work. And um, I stepped away from my desk for a second to go to the bathroom. I came back and there was a message from her on my voicemail, saying, I don't need you to babysit tonight, Thomas is sick, and I don't want you to come over. Well it turns out, that is the night that she killed all of her kids. She um, crushed up. Some of her anti-anxiety medications and put it in peanut butter and fed it to them and then waited till they passed out and um, she then put them in their beds tucked them with their favorite toys and suffocated them you know a a myriad of things obviously go through your mind but one of the biggest that i struggled with for a long time is what if what if i would have called her back everybody grieves in different ways i seemed to be okay for the first year, maybe. Um, And after that, I just completely fell apart. You know, it was awful. I definitely hit rock bottom. I was suicidal. I just didn't think there was any way that I would ever be happy again or be able to move past this. I was pretty much thinking life is over. My relationship with God went up and down through this. First, there was anger. How could you let this happen? If you're a loving God, how could you let this happen? I'm sure he didn't plan for this to happen. And he was sad when it happened as well. And that took me a long time to get through. I think what really was the turning point for me was somebody said, how arrogant are you that God can forgive her and you can't? Getting to the point of forgiveness was hard. Who would be prepared to go through something like this? And it's not condoning the horrible thing. It's accepting it and moving on. Really coming to a place of, of realizing that this was hurting me, holding on to this. This wasn't hurting her, this was hurting me. I needed to forgive her, and I needed to tell her that I forgave her. The first time I wrote to her in prison, it was a process, you know, I didn't sit down and write a letter and mail it out the same day. I think I actually went through several drafts. You know, as as bad as it sounds, I didn't want to hurt her. The cool thing was, she wrote back to me. She said I was the only person that has ever told her how this impacted their lives. I'll never forget, I opened the mailbox and I saw her handwriting, and I just cried. (laughs) Because it brought back good memories, which you wouldn't think it would, but it did. I think knowing that she could be forgiven, I almost felt like it was a waiting to exhale for her, that somebody may know her for something other than what she did. She was a nurturer to me when I needed it. She um, she was kind of like the vision of what my future could be. Uh, she was a great person. She's, She did one really bad thing and that's all people think of when they think of her and um, I still have very fond memories of her. She's, she makes me smile when I think of her. It's been 11 years and if there's one thing I do regret it's that I spent so much time wallowing in the effects of what happened rather than accepting them and moving past them. At the end of the day I want to be known as somebody who is always looking at the positive side of things. Holding on to the anger only hurts me. It doesn't do anything good.
0: That's true story. That's where rubber hits the road. That's where people live. But she received what she wanted to receive when she forgave. Some of us think that God can't forgive us for things that we've done. And so we would rather hold on to our sin, cover it up, hide in it, and be miserable... Than to confess it to God. And when we don't confess our sin to God and ask for forgiveness, we could spend a large part of our lives with this dark cloud over us. And this dark cloud over us, it skews our vision of the world that God has created. What happens then is we're remiss of joy, we don't have delight. We find ourselves falling short of what God intended us to be. There was a man in the Bible, most of us who have church-going people have heard of. His name is David, and he committed adultery. And then he basically had the wife's husband murdered by sending him to the front lines. Yet at the end of his life, the book of Acts says this, he was a man after God's own heart. How do you go from that? to that. It's called confession of sin and forgiveness from our Father. Grab your Bibles and we're going to go on a journey and we're going to walk through confession of sin and turn to Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. But would you stand with me as we read Psalm 32? The context of this psalm is david reflecting back in his life and seeing where god stepped in after he did something miserably wrong and he confessed it and he found freedom from this confession of forgiveness he received from god so as you read it picture david sinning and then crying out to god and then watch him owning his sin you'll see him own his sin And then you'll see this whole directional change in David's life. By the time we get to the end of this psalm that he wrote from the bottom of his heart, he is delighting and rejoicing and glad in the Lord. Let's read it together. Psalm 32, would you read with me? Ready, read. Blessed is one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. You may have a seat. We can see from this context and from this passage that happiness comes when sin is freely confessed. He begins by saying this in verse 1. Just look at it. He says, blessed. Some versions have happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Something supernatural takes place in our hearts, in our relationship with the Lord. When we confess our sin and we hand it over to him, we own our sin, we repent of it. There's this supernatural black cloud that leaves us because now we are right with God. And because of that, we can find forgiveness and unspeakable joy as a result of it. But the truth is, many of us walk around every day for, for days on days until we truly confess our sin. And we're the less, I would say, the less version of what God intended us to be. We're shriveled up. We're not who God made us to be. In our house, we have this game closet downstairs for uh, that our kids played with when they grew up and when kids come over um, adults come over have kids, there's a place for them to play and maybe even future grandkids one day who knows, Uh, no pressure Johnny and Hannah but it'd be nice and honestly we put no pressure on them, it's all in God's hands but there's this uh, toy that's down there and it's a picture of what happens to us as followers of Christ when we are shriveled or we are covered in sin, unconfessed sin, when there's this black cloud over us, we are the least version of what God wanted us to be. But when we confess our sins, we find that there is freedom, and we become what God intended us to become. Yet the truth is this, many of us are shriveled up hiding in sin thinking that somehow God could never ever forgive us of that and all the while we hide it we cover it and he is longing that we walk in freedom and that we thrive and become who he intended us to become. David is giving us that picture here. He's saying there was a time that I was that I was walking in sin but because of what God's forgiveness has done for me, I now walk in freedom and joy, unspeakable joy. Back to verse 1. The word covered is used, and it's significant in this psalm. Two different ways. I want you to look at verse 1. In verse 1 it says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are what? What's the word? Covered. The reality is this, is that, God can cover our sins. But what we often do initially is this. We do what Adam and Eve did in Genesis chapter 3. When they sinned in the garden, the first thing that they did after sin, they recognized, they said, that we're naked. Before that, they didn't recognize that. And it says, if you go to Genesis 3, it says they tried to hide from God. And if you go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 to 12, it says they went and they covered themselves. Why did they cover themselves? Because they were trying to hide their sin from God. All of a sudden, for the first time in the garden, they felt guilt. They had never felt that before. There was never a discussion. There wasn't even a dictionary from the garden of Eden that they could go to and they could open up. This is what guilt. It wasn't even a word that was ever discussed before. They had to rewrite the dictionary after Genesis 3 and add guilt. They felt something inside of them that put a separation between them, God, and their first response was, we better cover up and hide from God because they knew they had done wrong. And David said in verse one here that God is the one that can cover our sins. So they made themselves coverings. Think about what they're trying to hide from God. But why? Because they felt guilty. Let me just... Define the word guilt for a second here and just walk through this. Guilt is God's message that something is not right with you and him. Let me define the word guilt first. The word guilt means a feeling of responsibility or remorse for something you've done wrong or an offense that you've committed. It's a responsibility for what you've done. And it's also a remorse for something you've done wrong. Or an offense that you've committed. What trails behind guilt is this thing called shame. Shame is a painful feeling arising from something dishonorable or improper or even we would say ridiculous. So in the garden, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? It says they hid from the Lord. They made a covering. And we do the same. If, if, if we're not careful, once we sin, or maybe you're walking in sin, and we think somehow that we can cover ourselves and we can hide from God. That somehow God can't see us. And some of you metaphorically and symbolically, this is how you walked in here today. You have unconfessed sin. You have unrepentant sin in your life. And you wonder why you feel this separation from God. You wonder why there's no joy. You wonder why you can't find delight in a sunrise and a sunset. And you wonder why you feel this dark cloud over you. You have done exactly what Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3. You are covering yourselves and hiding from God. However, David says this, that we can be covered by God, too. Now think through this a second with me. In verse 3, it says this. Look what happens when you and I cover our sins. And David said, this is what happened to me. Look at verse 3. He says, when I kept silent or hid my sin, my bones what away. What does it say? wasted away through my groaning all day long and then he says for day and night your hand was heavy on me my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer but why is that why did, why did his bones feel, feel like they were crushed or turned into powder? Why did he feel sapped as is the heat in the summer? Because he was walking around in the weight and the burden of unconfessed sin. And so everything that he saw and felt was dark. There was this heavy, heavy, heavy cloud over him. Directional change is about to take place in David's life. And we're going to see it here in a second. But the feelings of guilt in your life, in my life, are not to pay you back, but they're to bring you back. Guilt is not necessarily a bad thing. God uses guilt the same way that he uses pain in our lives. Pain is put in our lives to remind us that something is wrong. Something is broken. And so if you've done something that hurts you, even lepers, if you study leper colonies, which I have done and and, and done some search on them, what happens to them is their nerve endings no longer function. And so what happens to lepers is they can't feel pain like you and I can. And there are stories of lepers in leper colonies, there are lepers even alive today, that are actually fall asleep at night, fearful of falling asleep at night, because they know when they fall asleep, because where they're at, that rats will come in at nighttime, and they'll begin to eat their fingers, and eat their feet, and eat their toes. Why? Because they can't feel pain. Guilt is saying something is wrong. And when Adam and Eve sinned, and when David sinned, something was saying something is wrong. But their first inclination, and yours too, most likely is, let's cover it up. No one can see it. Let's hide in the secret sin. And what happens, there's a spiritual separation that takes place between us and God. We manage our sin. We try to hide and cover it up. And you cannot find delight in the Lord with the deluge of unconfessed sin in your life. So here's what happens. Every sunset and sunrise is clouded. Every hug and handshake is taken with skepticism. Every praise report given by others is drowned by your misery of sin. Every new day is blurred with negativism. And slowly but surely, you become the worst version of yourselves where God is a distant, harsh God, and you are the selfish king of your world." You know what happens? You see the world through dark lenses. This is a picture of your life. And as you try to see, everything is dark, everything is dreary. Why? Because you are spending your time covering your sin. And there's this dark cloud when you walked in here today. And you wonder why there's no joy. You wonder why there's no delight. You wonder why you can't put hashtag delight 2020. It's because there is this sin, much like Adam and Eve, when they found sin and they felt the guilt, they hid from the Lord. And David's saying, no, don't go there. In fact, watch what happens next when forgiveness begins, the blame shifting ends. Look at verse 5. He owns the sin. Verse 5. Watch what happens. Look how many times the word my appears in this one verse. David says, then I acknowledge what sin. What's he say? My sin. To you and did not cover up what iniquity? My iniquity. I said, I will confess what transgression? My transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave me the guilt of what sin? My sin. Do you see what's happening? Instead of hiding and covering this sin that he committed, he owns it. My sin, my transgression, my guilt. I hand it to you, God. I am responsible. I will not pass it on to someone else. And the moment he begins begins to do that, you see what happens is cover your sin and God will expose it. Expose it and God will cover it. So what happens is this. Once we expose it and say, God, I'm not going to hide it from you. I will confess it. It says that God comes in. thirty-two-one. what David say? He covered my sin. God takes that black cloud that you walked into Grace Community Church this morning. He replaces it with the blood of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. And he takes your sin and makes you as white as what? Snow. See, our first inclination is hide. If anyone found out about this sin, what would they say? So we cover it up. And when you cover it up, just go ahead and suck the joy right out of you. Go ahead and suck what you've been made to do right out of you. Just shrivel up. But when God covers us and we expose our sin and confess it, we become what God intended us to become. And David is saying, when you do that, the last verse, there's delight, there's joy. And there's a song in my heart. You see, to find happiness, you must own your sin. What is the first thing we normally do when sin is exposed? We blame someone else. Isn't that what Adam did? If you go back and read Genesis chapter 3, when when he sinned, here's what he said. Here's what he said. That woman that you, God, put in my life, it's her fault and it's your fault. And if you didn't give me that woman, then I wouldn't have sinned. Don't we do it? We blame. And and, and what what did Eve do? that serpent that just appeared along the ground and began talking to me, if if that serpent didn't come, then I wouldn't have sinned. Pass the buck. And we do the same. We have to own our sin. And so you know what happens? We don't do that. What do we do? We wake up every day, and we manage our sin. And we wonder why we don't have any joy in Christ. And so every morning when you get up, you have your quiet time with God, but dare not expose your sin. And you carry that sin that you've been carrying for weeks, and you put it in your bag. And you carry that sin you've been carrying for a couple days, and you think, I can't go another day and expose this. And you put that in your bag, and then you carry this one too. And so you pick that up, you put it on you, and you get up this morning, you come to grace, and, and then you hide in your sin. You say, "He's the way maker." <laughs> Seriously, what is wrong with this picture? <laughs> and David is saying, "This is not how a redeemed follower of a loving God who sent his son Jesus Christ was meant to live." He said, "Expose your sin." And let God cover you with the righteousness of Jesus. Huh? That's the picture. And when he does, delight, joy, thanksgiving, praise, shouts come from your hearts. But we don't do that when we hide. We begin to justify, and here's kind of things we say about our sin. And we go back to our past and we'll say, well, you don't know what I've gone through and you don't know how badly I was treated. And you know what? Most of us don't and we're sorry. But it doesn't give you permission to take a victim's mentality and excuse your sinful behavior. Or... This is just how I am. My, my dad was that way, and his dad was that way, and my mom was that way, and my siblings. That's how we were raised, and it's just too hard to, to overcome. I'm just like, you don't struggle with what I struggle with, and you don't really understand. And I want to say, I don't understand, but it doesn't make it right for you to sin. Or, we've been doing this for so long. Why change now? We've been living together, and we're not married. We've been having sex before marriage. Why change now? We, we've learned to manage it, man. It's not as hard as you think it is, Pastor Jim. Really, it isn't. Are you kidding me? Is this how a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ is supposed to live their lives? No. He said, expose it. Or if we do what we're supposed to do and do what God wants to do, it's going to cost us some money. We'll lose our insurance. Or if I report on taxes that I got paid cash as a business owner and I didn't report it on my taxes, we'll never make it as a family. That is sin. Or I can't right now because it would have cost me too much. Or well, at least it's not as bad as them. <laughs> and that little tinge of guilt that comes that you keep Pushing down and hiding and covering up and adding to your bag. If you don't confess it and repent of it, you will not receive the forgiveness that God has for you. David owns a sin. And by the way, in the New Testament, when he got to end his life, I told you earlier, he's called a man after God's own heart. This was a murderer, and this was an adulterer. But he confessed, and God forgave, and he was restored, and he led well, and he became what God intended him to become. To find a fresh joy, happiness, and a peace with the side of playfulness, then you must learn to hate your sin and not just its consequences. You know, we often want others to own their sins more than we're willing to own our own. It often happens in family relationships and marriages. It goes something like this. Yeah, I, I know I was wrong, but did you, did you see what they did? Yeah, yeah I, I know that I shouldn't have done that, but did, did you see what they, they, how much they did? Listen, own your own sin, let them own theirs. Just deal with it. Move on and let God deal with their heart. Hate the sin more. You know what the word confess means, by the way? The word confess means to see things from the perspective of the one you have wronged. Think about that for a second. To see things from the perspective of the one you have wronged. Not only are you willing to admit you are changing your perspective to the one that you're wrong, but now you're saying, I can see how this has hurt you too. And when you understand, when someone is saying, you did this to me. And for us, when we're walking in that unconfessed sin, remember this. As you're walking in that unconfessed sin, until you confess it, you can't see clearly. And once you confess that sin, your lenses are changed and you begin to see, wow, I am sorry, God. I am sorry, coworker. I am sorry to your wife. I am sorry to your husband. I am sorry. I didn't realize how much pain that cost you and how much that hurt. I confess my sin to you. Will you please forgive me? When confession is saying, I now see how you see this and how it impacted you. David's saying, I see what this is doing to you, God, and I never realize how badly I hurt you. You see, sometimes we will say things like this if I've offended you, I am sorry. Listen, by the way, that's not repentance, that's cheap peacemaking. (laughs) Some people confess because they get caught. Their attitude towards the sin hasn't changed. It's just that they got caught. Otherwise, you may not have repented. And so we say, you know what? I, I, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. And So David says this in verse 9 of this confession journey. He says, Grace Community Church, verse 9, do not be like the horse or the mule. Where did the horse and mule come from? Where, like, Which what? Has no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle. He said, or they will not come to you. What does he mean by that? This horse doesn't go with you on his own because of your superior wisdom. It's because the bit is painful. Illustration. You walk to your front room tomorrow morning, and you have children in your house, and you have white drywall, and you walk over there, and... Your child or children or someone in your house, maybe your hubby, has taken crayons and drawn all over the wall. It just, I mean, went all over. And you had already told them, don't ever draw on the wall. So it's just scribbled all, crayons everywhere. And you're thinking, you know who did it. So the child, what do you do? You go and you put a bit in their mouth. And what do you do? They didn't come on their own. They didn't come because they wanted to, and they didn't didn't expose their sin. They came in, and David says, don't be like the horse and the mule who doesn't want to come. And the only reason they come is because you got control of them, and you go there and you say, did you do this? And they go. (laughs) He says, own your sin. David said four times, my transgressions, my sin, my confession. Own your sin. And until you own your sin, there will always be this spiritual separation between you and God. Some of us will confess because we're afraid what others might think about us. I think I call. Let me just say, talk, speak to that a second. If you confess your sin because you're more concerned about what someone else thinks about you than what God thinks about you, that's called idolatry we should be more concerned because we broke the heart of our God, more concerned about that than we that, that worried about what our friends will think about. If you are scared to confess your sin because you're worried about what your neighbor will think or what your coach will think or your mom will think or your dad will think or, or some friend will think more than what you're concerned about how you broke the heart of your God, then you are living a life to please man and not to please God. That's idolatry. Find happiness and true forgiveness. David is saying, You must hide in God. When Adam and Eve sinned, God sacrificed an animal and did what? It, the text said, He covered them. He covered them future with the sacrifice representing that there would come a Messiah one day, his name is Jesus and his blood would be shed for them but until then I sacrifice an animal in the garden and symbolically I'm covering you with the blood of this animal and he covered them, he dressed them and he's saying you are forgiven in the future Messiah that's come but listen to me, for us today Jesus already took all of our stuff to the cross and by the way, when do you really think that somehow when you walk around and hide and sin that somehow God can't see your sin by the way he already has died for your sin you see the enemy wants you to believe that you are better off to cover it than to confess it to God if the opinion of man matters more to you than God's then you have the sin of idolatry in your life If you have experienced the joy of forgiveness, you won't mind letting people see your faults because your happiness doesn't depend on maintaining some illusion that you are perfect either. (laughs) The evidence that you have received the mercy of God is when you show mercy to others. Watch what happens at the end of this passage here as we read through this. And and David says in verse 9, he says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him, and trusts in him enough to confess and be honest and own their sin. And then he says in verse 11, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous sing, all you who are upright in heart. One translation says, shout all you who are upright in heart. You begin to feel compassion and love for others. Those who have been forgiven much, it says, will forgive much. Those that don't love God much or delight in him and his goodness is because you haven't come to grips with what you have been forgiven of. When the steadfast love of God surrounds you, the steadfast love for God grows in you and the joy meter rises. Let me just ask a question, this real simple question. You can answer this, or maybe your spouse can. Would you say that you have a passionate love for God? Would you say that your joy is off the charts? Would you say that you're walking in freedom or would you say that you fill this dark cloud of guilt because you're hiding yourself in the sins that you've committed forgiveness is necessary for happiness but not because it releases you from guilt but because it reconciles you to God Ultimately, all enjoyment of life is lost until real confession, repentance, and forgiveness takes place. You show me a person with unspeakable joy, unspeakable passion and delight. I will show you a person who is not hiding their sin. Confession of sin increases our delight for God. This week, obviously, as I prepare a message like this, I'm doing what David encouraged us to do in Psalms. Search me, O God, and see if there's any offensive way in me. And as I was preparing this message, I asked God. I said, God, just show me, God, as I stand before Sunday morning, what are some things that you would want me to say and address our people with that maybe these are sins that you struggle with? And so here in a few moments, I'm going to read a list of things that maybe you walked in with and you're hiding and you're wondering why you can't delight in the Lord and you're wondering why the world is turned upside down and you're bitter and you're skeptical and, and you have no joy. Maybe it's because this black cloud envelops you because you haven't confessed your sin. T- on the floor to the outside area of your row there, if you're on the edge, there's a sp- stack of paper. and If you would grab it, you're on the end. I want you just to pass it down the aisle. Make sure everyone has one. If you need one from behind, you can grab it or grab your own. Strategically, just stay with me as you pass those. Just stay here, please. Strategically, in this auditorium, are trash cans. There are two up front. And there are three in the middle section back there. There's one on the outside, one in the middle, and one on the outside. Here in a moment, across It's going to be brought to the center of this room. Both here in the north and the south auditorium. And in front of that cross will be another trash can. I'm going to walk you through. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And I believe if we're to delight in the Lord and He will give us the desires of our heart. and And I believe if we're to experience the delight in Christ that we should have. It only happens if we truly confess our sin and take this covering and replace it with this covering. I want you to be completely honest with what the Spirit is telling you. And I want you to listen to this list of sins that may be potential sins for you. The sin of pride. You don't show up and or you don't join in because you're scared to reveal your weakness that you're not as good as or you might fail. And so you've let pride step in and say, I'm not going to do that because I don't want people to think less of me. Pride rears its head and all kinds of fashions but the truth is this some of you have come to grace for months years and you're still sitting out there and your pride says I don't want to become part of that or join that because they might find out who I really am listen you're a child of God maybe it's fear fear is a sin that you're fearful to try something or you're fearful to do something because of unknown and no one's ever done it. And somehow you've let this fear of even your own children being part of something because you think you can control them better than God can. And so you let fear keep you from participating. Maybe it's control. Maybe you have the the sin of control. I control my world. I need to be in the middle of it. I need to make sure that I'm there. And when I'm there, things will go like I want them to go. And I'm not releasing my control to God, who is far better, far stronger, far wiser. But God, I'll do it if you let me in. Instead of just releasing by faith and saying, God, it's yours. Maybe you're a controlling mom or controlling husband or wife or dad or person or boss maybe it's lying you know it's lying and you know that you said this but this is really happening and you walked in here today and you haven't confessed that and you're hiding that because you're fearful what if they find out and if they find out and know that what will they think of me, hear me that's idolatry if you're more concerned about a person finding it out than confessing it to God maybe it's prejudice you won't publicly say it but you're a racist there are a group of people that you don't like listen to me that is sin can I just say something when we get to heaven one day every nation, every tribe be there. And they're God created loved by him and should be loved by you. Maybe it's anger. When you say oh, it's it's not so bad I But you find yourself like, man, you just get angry because when things don't work out for you, you spout out in the workplace and at home and your kids know it, your husband, your wife knows it, your neighbor knows it, and you feel that temperature rise and you just like, and it's just bam, bam. It's like a time bomb ready to go off. Yet you have not confessed it and asked for forgiveness of it. Maybe it's, it's a hidden addiction that no one knows about you say well it's not too bad I, I gamble but you know I, I make sure I win more than I, I lose and, and you find yourself consumed with fantasy sports gambling away and, and you find yourself at the, at, at, on, in the lottery and, and no one knows about it. you. it's just you but you know you lost control like you are drawn to that and the reason is because listen you're hiding it expose it then Jesus it. Maybe it's alcohol. And you've battled and you battled and you battled and you know, I just can't pick up another drink. But you get with your friends and it's like you feel pressured. You want to be cool and accepted. Listen, would you rather be accepted by your friends or would you rather be right with your God? <laughs> Maybe it's drugs. No one knows that I get this addiction to this narcotic or this pain medicine, or and when I have it, it could be addiction to food. I gotta have ice cream at night because it settles me. I gotta have a glass of wine because it cuts the edge off. Wine in itself isn't sin, but if you're using it as a remedy instead of Jesus as your remedy, it's sin. Maybe it's gluttony. Maybe some don't see it because you don't look overweight. But you know. That inside of you is a metabolism that goes like this. And you eat like this. And you know that you know. Maybe for some of you, it's just you love food more than you love God. Maybe it's complacency. It's like... Oh, well, you said, God, I just want to take six months off and three months off. I just, I want to, I want to refresh and refuel. Praise God. Go do that. Some of you, it's been six months. It's been 12 months. It's been a year. You've been coming to grace for, for months and years on end, and you haven't served anywhere. That's complacency. And that can lead to sin. Maybe it's Pornography. And when no one's around, by the way, pornography is growing more rapidly amongst women than it is men. It's no longer just a dude issue, it's a dudette issue too. Stats are showing us that the millennial generation, the growth of pornography amongst women is growing faster than it is amongst men. And some of your parents don't even know it and you're hiding it from mom and dad. Or you're hiding it from your husband or your wife. maybe it's lust you know you shouldn't have taken that second look but you want that second look and and then you allowed your mind to go down that path instead of saying no I need to stop here maybe it's just selfishness I'm going to Control my schedule I'm not going to serve and I'm, I'm not going to be hospitable I'm not going to open up my house I'm, I'm not going to go here and go there Because it's my world It's my throne It's my kingdom I'm going to do what I want And as long as you're willing to, to, to Fit my schedule into yours That's selfishness Maybe it's adultery You've been hiding it pretty good But on the side you got this dude or dudette that you've been sleeping with and no one knows about. And you think, no one sees it. I'm good at hiding. I sin. Maybe it's duplicity and hypocrisy. Like you come to church and, way maker, Jesus. But through the week, people look at your life and say, can you believe that guy goes to church? A duplicit lifestyle, dual-minded. That's called sin. If it's not confessed, there's a cloud over your life. Maybe you're robbing God and your generosity and the resources he's given you. And that offering plate has passed by your lap every week. And what do you do? You pocket give. Well, I got $10 left over from Burger King yesterday. Bam. Listen, after all that God has done for you and given you, you're not even willing to consider a regular giving pattern to God when the Bible is clear that we should be generous and established in the Old Testament that he wanted from Old Testament saints 10%. And by the way, Jesus raised the bar. He never lowered it. And you haven't given and tied to God in years. That is Sin oh no Pastor Jim you don't know I don't know I don't know but God does in your mind you've justified it somehow you've hidden and you carry this and this is how you walked into the worship service today maybe it's jealousy or envy Boy, I wish I had a marriage like that and I wish I had a car like that. I wish I could go to vacation there. I wish my kids and I wish we weren't so far separated and we had our grandkids here and I wish I wish I wish envy envy I wish I could ride that bike and oh I would like to have a truck like that. Oh, I wish I could hunt there. I I I, I wish my kids could go to that school. I, that's envy. Jealousy. Maybe it's just gossip. Well, it's not bad, Pastor Jim. We don't talk too much. We just kind of just bring it up, and then whatever happens, happens. And you have knocked down someone's dignity, integrity with your words, and they weren't even there. That is sin. Maybe it's just plain old idolatry. You love possessions more than you love God. And no one would ever, ever be able to use your stuff because they're your possessions. You worked hard for them, and they're your tools, and and they're your baking stuff, and they're they're your your exercise equipment. It's yours, yours, yours. No, it isn't. It's all God's. I don't know what it might be, but what I do know is this: some of you need the shed the blanket and the cover and expose it to God so that the God who sent His Son Jesus Christ to the cross can cover you with His forgiveness so would you write down as the worship team comes what's the thing now listen, listen to me it's more than writing it down it's saying God I write this down but this afternoon I gotta call someone up and say I'm sorry. Or I got to remove myself from this relationship because it's unhealthy and ungodly, not marriage relationship, but I'm living in sin. I need to go back to this business and I need to tell them that I, that I did a deal that was ungodly and I need to pay back. I need to write a check to God. Or I need to walk across the street to my neighbor I've never talked to and I've lived there for three years and tell him Jesus loves you and I let my pride get in the way of telling you that and I want you to know that I love you too it's just more than writing on the paper it's you were gone this way repentance says now you're going this way and when you do and I do when we confess our sins God forgives and the joy unspeakable freedom reigns in our lives so come and drop your issue, your sin as we sing this song please stand